Hello, and welcome to the eTech Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Morn. I have been involved in the development of electrified vehicles and machines since 2005 as an engineer and a business leader. This podcast is the product of my passion for electric and autonomous vehicle technology. I'm here to share knowledge from some of the world's leading experts, as well as my own insights. Join me as we accelerate the transition to cleaner, safer and smarter vehicles and grow the industry around the world. Uh, Thanks for taking the time out to come and listen to this today. Um, We're going to talk today about uh, future development trends in electric and hybrid vehicle drivetrain, uh, particularly in the electrical and electronic systems. Uh, We're planning a separate podcast about battery cells and battery systems uh, sometime soon. We've got some really exciting material coming through for that. So this podcast deliberately ignores the battery packs and talks about everything else. Um, As EVs come onto the market, there's some really clear trends emerging in the powertrain systems. Um, This is uh, due due to higher volumes, really. The passenger car industry is, is leading this drive but we're also seeing some signs of these trends in the commercial vehicle sector as OEMs start to look seriously at higher volumes. Uh, And and critically, the thing that everyone's trying to do is drive cost out of their EV offerings. So on the powertrain side, the performance is okay, um, but we want to drive cost out, we want to drive weight out of the the vehicle to improve the the range. Um, And that's, that's driving a few clear trends. So uh, this, what we're going to look at here really is um, how people are driving out the material bomb costs from the vehicle, but also uh, improving production line assembly through simplification of the vehicle design. And really, uh, to sum this up in one word, the trend is integration. So more specialized platform-specific componentry that's very highly integrated. There's a couple of neat examples of this at the moment, uh, in particular, um, on the Tesla Model 3. So before I deep dive into that, don't worry, this isn't just all going to be about the Model 3. But on the Model 3, they've got uh, a, f- a few nice features. And what I'm just going to talk about is a highly integrated power distribution module, uh, which sometimes people are calling the battery penthouse. And this is basically because it sits as a lump on the back of the battery pack uh, under where the rear seats are on the car. Um, This is, in fact, um, a fully integrated module that includes the master BMS controller, the DC-DC converter, uh, the onboard charger, and also a high-voltage junction box. And these are all fully integrated into a single um, tin can, um, which in itself, just through doing that, that's showing a really good level of integration. Uh, By putting all of these devices into one box, saves an awful lot of external high-voltage wiring and interconnects. Um, When you look inside that box, it's full of bus bars um, that are, are much smaller and lighter than uh, a cable would be, and they're protected with molded plastic insulation. Uh, so huge cost, weight saving, assembly saving compared to cablings and, and no interconnects. So just that in itself is a huge amount of weight and cost compared to a more traditional approach where you would have separate units on the vehicle for the DC-DC converter, the battery charger, and the, uh, and the junction box. Um, But then um, any HV component integration that can delete uh, high voltage wiring, harness and interconnects really is a good thing because it's going to help to save cost, weight, manufacturing 
complexity and it's also going to improve safety so basically um, the thing here is looking out for orange cables uh, if you can get rid of an orange cable you're going to save quite a bit of money in the vehicle so more integrated components that delete orange cables um, if we look a little bit more closely at this integrated module from Tesla, it also is quite interesting in that the, the DC-DC and the onboard charger are a single integrated liquid-cooled unit. And this makes an awful lot of sense. So even if those two devices didn't share any common electronics, just the simple fact that the peak demand on the onboard charger is always going to be when the vehicle is stationary and the peak demand on the DC-DC converter, which converts the high voltage battery down into 12 volts for all of the ancillary systems, yeah, infotainment and lights and things like that. Um, the peak demand on the DC-DC converter is always going to be when the vehicle is moving. So the two things are never going to be at peak demand at the same time. So even if there was no other component commonality on the two devices, just simply sharing a common heat sink and heat exchanger to the low temperature water glycol system would be a re really significant benefit. But actually there are some quite, uh, quite neat bits of integration in there in terms of uh, the high voltage components and the other componentry. Um, in the Tesla, the motor and the inverters are already highly integrated. So on the Model S, uh, one of the features of the Model S is that it has a drive unit and the high performance versions have one at the front and one at the rear. Um, and that drive unit consists of an inverter, a motor and a gearbox in a single um, integrated package. There's, there's uh, some other advantages to having four-wheel drive, having a drive unit at the front and the rear, but uh, Tesla already had um, very, very highly integrated the inverter and the motor into the drive unit. So some people, when they look at the Tesla drive unit, they think it's got two motors, uh, but actually uh, the, the standard drive units don't have two motors. Uh, on one side, the cylindrical object is the motor, and on the other side, the cylindrical object is the housing for the inverter. Um, and the Model 3 continues that trend, so it's got very highly integrated drive unit. Also, uh, some other new cars where we can really see this, uh, so in particular, the, the Hyundai Kona. So the Kona is based on an internal combustion engine vehicle, and this has got a very highly integrated drive unit at the front end. So it kind of looks a bit like the combustion engine, although it's actually the electric drive module. And in that, um, we had a good look around that at the Geneva Motor Show. Um, this is a stacked module with a motor inverter, the high voltage junction box, the onboard charger and the DC-DC are all uh, together at the front of the vehicle in a lump that basically looks like an engine. Um, I think um, basically I would say these units are closely coupled, but they're not quite as fully integrated as the unit on the Tesla. Um, so closely coupled. Eliminated a lot of high voltage cabling by uh, connecting them all together, but not quite as fully integrated. It's definitely heading in that direction. Also, when you look at the new Nissan Leaf, that's very highly integrated in the front end of that. I think the thing with the Kona um, and the Leaf compared to the Tesla, so basically the Kona and the Leaf are essentially um, cars that were designed to have engines that have then been adapted to be electric vehicles, uh, whereas the Teslas are always pure electric vehicles. So... The reason the Leaf and the Kona simply have integrated units that look a bit like engines at the front of the car and the Teslas is a bit more distributed out is because the, the, the Leaf um, and the Kona are filling the space left by the engine. Uh, I do think the Tesla approach, if you do the maths on the length of the wiring harness, where they've situated those components 
um, very much minimizes wiring harness uh, travel distances. So I would guess there's probably a 30 or 40% reduction in high voltage wiring um, on a Model 3 on a sort of like-for-like basis, because obviously the performance of the vehicles is different um, compared to something like the Kona. Um, and looking at something a little bit different, the highly acclaimed Jaguar I-Pace, so that's, that's a really interesting car, very beautiful, a massive fan of that, um, really excited about that coming to the market. But actually, when you look at that, um, the subsystem integration on that is, is, is nowhere near that of the competitor models. And that's probably really because that's their first pure electric vehicle element. Um, you can see if you, uh, you look at cutaways of that, if you look at it with the body removed, there's still an awful lot of orange cabling, basically. Like I said before, you want to get rid of all that orange cabling. And the, the modules on the iPACE are all separate, standalone modules. So you've got um, distinct, separate units for the onboard charger, the DC-DC converter. The inverters are not... Um, integrated into the motors, uh, so there's wiring in between. Um, so so I expect that uh, Jaguar Land Rover will do much more integration on future models. In the commercial vehicle world, some interesting things have come out. Um, so, so for a while now, we've seen three really interesting new electric trucks come on the market. Um, so from Daimler with the e-Actros, and then the new uh, Tesla tractor unit, and then, of course, not to forget the Nikola um, fuel cell electric vehicle tractor unit. So these are all really interesting trucks, but there's one particular feature about these powertrains on these trucks. That they're really sort of changing the norms. All of these new trucks are using uh, very integrated motor transmission designs with individual motors for each driven wheel. So they're not in-wheel motors. They're all um, using motors that are mounted inboard. So the, the, the Mercedes uh, truck, the motors, it's a, it's a portal axle, um, and the motors are close to the wheels. So they're not inboard. They're kind of outboard motors, motor gearbox, very integrated in that portal axle. The Tesla and the Nikola trucks, uh, you can see that the motors are inboard mounted with reduction gearboxes. But they are still um, one individual motor per driven wheel. Um, so this is instead of the more conventional approach, which uses a very large traditional single motor um, driving the wheels through a differential. Um, this new drivetrain configuration basically gets rid of the differential. It allows the power to be split between these multiple electric motors. There's some other benefits to doing this from a control and efficiency point of view, but we'll talk about in, that in a, a future podcast. Um, the power electronics are very closely coupled to the motors on these three trucks, but they're not as highly integrated yet as something like the Model 3. But I do, uh, I think more of that is, is coming. And also, interestingly, um, so in terms of market trends, and you've got to notice that... Um, the company TM4, so famous for their commercial vehicle motor and power electronics, they were bought by Dana, who are famous for their truck axles. Uh, uh, so I think we can fairly safely assume that Dana's plan there is uh, for very highly integrated axle units featuring the TM4 motors and electronics. Bringing that all under one house will allow them to do that. Um, and, and deliver some better units into the market. So, so there's a really clear trends coming through there with more highly integrated components, um, powertrain systems, and more sort of uh, vehicle specific. And we are certainly seeing that at Avid. We, we have uh, an awful lot of programs now where we're delivering 
vehicle-specific uh, variants of our standard products. So that might be something like a traction motor, but could also be uh, vehicle-specific, customer-specific versions of coolant pumps uh, and fans, things like that. Um, so we're taking the, the standard platform products that we've had for several years, and now they're all being adapted to be uh, customized for higher volumes, uh, to be much more application-specific for the particular customer requirements. So, so that's it. That's all for today. Uh, key message being look out for more and more powertrain integration. And if you're doing the design of an EV, you know, really be thinking about your integration. Um, I think the, the big lesson learned uh, for many people is actually the, the interconnections between the high voltage modules present a significant cost um, and add a lot of complexity to the vehicle assembly. So getting rid of all those orange cables or as many as possible, minimizing the orange cables. Um, is a massive benefit to the vehicle. You can take a huge amount of weight, cost, complexity out by um, by doing that. And more um, more integration between the devices um, gives you an improved overall product. So thanks for taking the time out to listen to us. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel and leave us a rating. Uh, also, feel free to send us any questions that you might have. Uh, we really appreciate seeing the questions come through. These podcasts are, um, are answering questions that we're seeing uh, coming in. So future podcasts will be specifically uh, answering questions that people have sent us. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks very much and bye.